Hello, beautiful listeners and viewers, and welcome back to another episode. I am excited to introduce our guest today. Her, her name is Odile Remert, and her website is theremertmethod.com. So just to spell that for you, the Remert, R-E-M-M-E-R-T, method.com. And let me just say, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me as well. I find what you do very interesting. And uh, I know that you were uh, introduced to Louise Hay's work years and years and years and years ago. And uh, we're using some of that work. And then you shifted a little bit uh, to be using work very similar to hers. Um, However, adding on a layer, which is changing your negative childhood memories. And I know that there's uh, similar stuff in Heal Your Life that we do with changing, changing the way we frame things. However, I would love to hear all about this method. And so to start off with, let's talk about the three steps of the method. And then, uh, and I, then I really want to talk about how do you change a negative childhood memory? Yes, of course, with pleasure. So um, first of all, so we have like three pillars, what we call three pillars. And uh, I use the analogy of driving. So if you are, um, if, if you think of the results you want in your life or in yourself as your destination, that's your new destination, and you're going to drive from wherever you are now to that destination. And if you were to drive from Chicago to LA and you didn't know how to drive a vehicle, of course, you wouldn't get very far. So you need to learn to drive the vehicle first. And uh, what the way we do that is learning to control brain and body chemistry. So, um, which I can go into in a little more detail in a little bit. So learning to, you learn to drive uh, your vehicle by learning to control your brain and body chemistry, which controls uh, how you feel and also how you think, how, how your brain is working. And then of course, if you knew how to drive, but your GPS was still set for Chicago, then of course, every time you start heading towards LA, your GPS would turn you around and guide you back to Chicago. And that was the missing piece. That was the key missing piece that I finally discovered when I was 52. (laughs) 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 I'd like to discovered it earlier, but I'm grateful that I got it when, you know, when I did. And the, so the GPS, the brain's GPS is implicit childhood memories. So from birth, we learn who we are and how the world works and how to react automatically. So our self-image and worldview by our experiences. As we ex- in every moment, as we're experiencing things from birth onwards, the brain is forming structure of who we are and how the world works and how to respond automatically. And those uh, the references for that for that for that structure aren't necessarily true. So that's how we learned I'm not good enough or um, I'm not safe. uh, I don't deserve those kinds of things. And the unconscious part of the brain can't use logic or reason. So it, you know, no amount of reasoning and going, well, of course I'm good enough. That's okay consciously, but the unconscious part of the brain can't understand that. So uh, in every moment, the brain is then referring to those implicit childhood memories to determine who am I? What does this experience mean? And then the automatic reaction. So if you look outside and you see that it's raining, for example, how do you know it's rain? 
And how do you know it's wet? And if you walk out into it, you'll get wet and that it's not dangerous. And all of that is implicit memory. So it's unconscious automatic, automatic memory. And that's um, the same as, you know, our self-image and worldview. So changing those negative implicit childhood memories to the opposite, positive and empowering so that they match the end destination. Now the brain is referring to proof that I deserve or I have this thing or I, you know, I'm safe and that kind of thing. So that's the second pillar. And then the third pillar is about staying on the road. So meaning that, you know, sometimes we drive through a storm, but if every time you hit a storm or a detour, you pull over, get out of the car and spend time in the storm, you'll never reach your destination. And the equivalent of that is maintaining your focus on keeping your eyes on the road, as opposed to getting involved in the in the scenery and the detours along the way. Um, meaning when challenges happen, not buying into them and going, okay, this is just, it's a passing, you know, it, it's something that's passing. It doesn't mean that this is where I stop and get out of the car. The, the tricky bit that a lot of people don't realize is that the stress chemicals that cause negative emotions are much stronger than the feel-good chemicals that cause good emotions because they're for survival. So that's why it's easier to feel bad than to feel good, because it's more important to keep your eye on the bear that may attack you than on the pretty flowers. So that's why it can feel practically impossible to be positive when you're already emotionally triggered, when you already have those stress chemicals in your system, because your body is in survival mode. That makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, when I think about the storms and you know, pulling over and getting out of the car and staying in the storm. Um, I think it's sometimes also human instinct to hit the storm and head back to Chicago. Yes, indeed. Right? And then we have to start the journey all over again. Right. And so what can we do to prevent us from having to start that journey all over again? So two main things. So the first thing that I feel is really important is answering yourself. So we tend to go along with whatever thoughts happen to come up. So, um, you know, for example, oh, why does this always happen? I know. And, and we, we go along with it as opposed to thinking of it as if someone else has said that thing or, or, or is feeling that way. How would we, we wouldn't go, yeah, I know you're terrible, aren't you? We go, no. <laughs> you're not you're all right wouldn't we we'd reassure them and if you you know one simple thing you can do is think of the fact that you have a small child inside you and that's the the, the child part of you your inner child and and it's it's a part of your brain it's it's the unconscious part of your brain and it's that child that is expressing that fear or that worry, or that frustration, or that anger, Absolutely. and if that right, and and if that was a real child with you, how would you respond? Would you would you say, I know why you always do, <laughs> or would you go, No, sweetheart, you're all right? And so that's one piece. The first piece, answering, answering logically and reassuring, as if you're speaking to a child or, or someone you love. Um, so that's one piece. And then the second piece is once you are feeling, you know, a bit better doing this process of changing those childhood memories to the opposite positive empowerment, because that will then 
make sure that you are in alignment with those end results, that as you are doing all the other um, activities to, to change yourself and your life, um, it's in alignment. Your brain is referring to the proof, the evidence in the unconscious part of your brain that that proves this is true. Okay, so the opposite positive empowerment is the phrase that you used. So I'll use an example from my childhood. And uh, trust me, I'm not picking on my own mother here. I made enough mistakes raising my children <laughs> that I don't need to point out anybody else's. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, you know, I was, um, I was uh, a bit rambunctious and liked to be out in the dirt. And so something I heard often in my childhood is, you know, you're so messy and, um, you know, why can't you stay clean and, and just uh, why can't you be more like so-and-so? And so a big part of me in my teenage and adult years was that comparison that, you know, I'm just a sloppy mess and I'm not uh, as, I'm not as, tidy and pretty and polished as so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so I've noticed growing up that I compare myself with other people. And, you know, this is something I've worked on for a long time is to let go of that comparison. So letting go of that comparison would lead me to that opposite positive empowerment. But what is that final step that I'm missing? All right. So First of all, uh, I, I use stepping stone memories. So the final memory we want to end up with is, well, before, actually, before we go into the changing of memories, I must just point out that this is based on neuroscience. So this is, we're not... Um, we're not reframing anything. We are literally changing the memories, but we're changing them for the unconscious part of the brain. So the unconscious part of the brain will refer to the new memory while the, your conscious mind, you'll still remember exactly what happened. So, um, and the unconscious part of the brain can't use logical reason, can't tell the difference between reality and imagination and can't judge something as unrealistic. So that's why we can do this. So the end, the, uh, final memories we want to end up with is that you and your you and your parents are um, always enjoying yourselves and you are automatically neat. There's like there's it's effortless and you're completely accepted. And um, it, yeah, so you are effortlessly clean. You play in the dirt and somehow magically you're still clean. <laughs> And Love that's it. because the unconscious part of the brain can't judge, can't use logical reason. So you can do that. So that's the end result, the, the final memory. But what's very important are the stepping stone memories that go before that. So one stepping stone memory I would put in there is that you are in the dirt and you're, you know, you're playing and you're enjoying yourself and your mom and dad join you. So you're all playing in the dirt and there's nothing wrong with it. And so that you are completely unconditionally loved just because you, you exist and whether dirt, no dirt, it doesn't matter. So that's a really important piece for the brain to, to be referring to. So you'd, you'd establish that one, practice it a few times till it feels uh, strong. And then you would do the final memory. Oh, I love it. You know, and I love that you use the phrase uh, just because you are, I think is what you said, just because you exist. That's and uh, so true, you know, and that is something that I hope that we can all grasp. We are so incredibly worthy of love just because we exist. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing. We needed to have that in our childhoods from our parents so that we then bring that with us as an adult so that then when we're engaging with the world as an adult, we already have that love, that unconditional love, that acceptance, that safety, that feeling of security inside us because we got it from our parents in childhood. Now, you know, it's it's unrealistic to expect that perfect thing in childhood, of course, because parents are dealing with their own stuff, right? And so that's why we want to recreate these memories now, because now we can recreate them and it doesn't have to be re- uh, realistic. So you said that we are not reframing, we are changing. Yes. What's the difference? All right. Good question. So uh, reframing would be, for example, if I was bullied in school and um, as I was bullied in school and now I want to reframe it, I may take that event and perhaps learn something from it or understand that the bully had their issues. And all of that is using the conscious mind and logic. And it's okay, but it's not enough. What we want to do is change it so that the bullying never happened. In other words, instead of being bullied, I was actually popular and something wonderful. We were, I was winning a prize or I was uh, being chosen for the team and then I won uh, the game for them, that kind of thing. So it's literally changing that data because otherwise I may consciously understand why the bully did what they did. Or I may say, oh, well, at least I learned something, um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am now and that kind of thing. But the unconscious part of the brain is still referring to those GPS coordinates that say I'm not safe or I'm danger, I'm uh, don't deserve or I'm not worthy, and so on. So what you're saying makes absolute sense to me. I'm just going to ask this question for for because I know people will be wondering it. How do you convince yourself that that's true? How do you convince <laughs> yourself that you were popular when you were bullied? Excellent. You know, it, it, is it a point of is it, is it denial to some? <laughs> Excellent or- question. Yeah, that's a great question. We get that question a lot. And um, it's, so there's two analogies I use here. So first of all, when, when we watch a scary movie or any movie, in fact, when we watch any movie, the brain and body behave as if what we're watching is real. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> so, so, and that's because the unconscious part of the brain can't tell the difference between reality and imagination. But that's not fooling ourselves because we know it's just a movie. So we can feel the emotions and get involved, you know, allow, we can allow the unconscious part of the brain to believe that this is real while we still consciously know it's just a movie. In the same way, when you change the GPS, if you're in Chicago and you change your GPS to LA, you're not um, deluding yourself because you know you're in Chicago, but you know you want to go to LA. So you're changing the GPS while you're in Chicago. Now the GPS accepts LA while you still know where you are. And in the same way, the unconscious part of the brain will believe whatever you give it, whether it's true or not, while you will consciously still know. So for example, using the bullying uh, example, and and I've done this for myself. So um, it now in school, I'm the most popular kid in school. What I do is I allow my brain, I allow myself to uh, accept that just as I would if I was watching a movie or daydreaming or um, you know, uh, visualizing, 
that kind of thing. So it's kind of like um, back to the future. So you're putting visualization in your past instead of in your future. Okay. So using that visualization as a tool, do you also use affirmations with the, uh, with the new GPS coordinates? So you can do, um, I use, uh, I teach what I call a touchstone. So you think of the end result, what, what will the end result be? And you imagine you've woken up in the morning and now you have this end result and notice how it feels, amp up the feelings, and then pick a phrase, a word or phrase that can represent that moment. So for me, the one I used, uh, uh, you know, back in 2016 or 2015 was, I love my life. And no details, just that moment of, I love my life. And I used that as a touchstone, meaning as I went about my day, I just kept going just that one moment. I love my life. I love my life. Yes. So that yes. there's no arguments, <laughs> you know, oh, but what about this and how are you going yes. to do it? <laughs> well, and I love my life as an amazing affirmation as yes. well. But I really like that you pointed out that you attach the emotion to it. Yes, absolutely. The, the emotion, of course, is, is really important. And one of the reasons, so with the new memories as well, we, we make sure that we amp up the feel-good emotions of the new memories because the brain prioritizes memories uh, that have adrenaline attached to them for long-term storage. So when we sleep, the brain is sorting out memories and prioritizing those with adrenaline. So uh, you want the new memory to not just be okay. It was okay. Uh, you know, it was fine. You want it to be, oh, it was amazing. So you yes. want, it was Disney World. <laughs> it was you know, <laughs> a new pony or it was uh, Superman, you know. I love that. And another way uh, for me, I have found with attaching that emotion with uh, the the uh, GPS coordinate or the the touchstone uh, phrase, like you mentioned, I love my life, is attaching it to music. I find attaching oh, it to music for me is yes. huge. Absolutely. And it, just, it, it gives me that serotonin release and, and oh, that's, life is so good. <laughs> that's it. And, and in fact, uh, so that phrase, I love my life, I had that as my touchstone. And then I realized there was a song called I Love My Life by Robbie Williams. <laughs> which is an amazing song. So I would then walk through the streets with my headphones on listening to that song, singing along with it. Just, uh, just listening to you talk about it makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. You know, for everyone listening, you have a free gift for them. It is at the rim, the Rimmert. Let me say that again. The method.com forward slash podcast gift. And what it is, is an ebook of your book, which is called how to use neuroscience to get the life you want by changing your negative childhood me memories is the subtitle. The title is change what happened to you. That's and I just love it so much. So the book is change what happened to you, how to use neuroscience to get the life you want by changing your negative childhood memories. You can get uh, an ebook of that um, for free at the remit, the remit method R-E-M-M-E-R-T method.com forward slash podcast gift. I will put that link in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing this positivity with the world, uh, specifically with our listeners and viewers and for doing what you do to help to heal the planet. Oh, you are so very welcome, Victoria. Thank you for the opportunity to share it. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.